Before we disappear into the vortex known as the Sunset Strip, I want to remind you to catch me this weekend at Mercado Sagrado in Malibu Canyon on November 4th and 5th, where I'll be presenting Elemental Alchemy, biohacking your water, air, earth, and light. Mercado Sagrado is one of my favorite experiences in Los Angeles. It's really, really fantastic. Super cool, hippy-dippy craziness in the canyon. There's musical performances, handmade and artisan goods, organic food, lectures, workshops, film screenings, experiential activities like intuitive readings and sound baths, aura photography, vibrational medicine from my friends over at Amp Coil, and all kinds of crazy hijinks. So come get down with me this weekend. Hurry up and get your tickets. Go to mercado-sagrado.com. Like all of my events, you can always find them at lukestory.com forward slash events too. So if you lose track of those links, dates, and times, go to lukestory.com forward slash events and you can find it all living there. But seriously, it's this weekend. That's tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, Mercado Sagrado out in Malibu Canyon. Come get weird with me. I'll see you there. Welcome one and welcome all to a very auspicious episode number 100 of the Lifestylist Podcast. This is a bootleg broadcast recorded live on the Sunset Strip, August 29th, 2017, featuring your host, Luke Story, coming at you with my second ever public talk about spirituality and metaphysics. Two topics that I, of course, cover a lot on this show, but never on my own. So this was a really fun opportunity for me to share some of what I've learned in life, what I've learned during the first year of this show, and to really present some of my findings to the studio audience. Unlike most talks like this, this one took place at 10.30 a.m., which is definitely not my peak flow state, so it was really interesting to walk in a room, turn on a mic, and just start talking. But what I did to warm up the crowd, and I think we'll probably add some value and entertainment to this episode, is I took them through a breath of fire warm-up, one of my top kundalini yoga practices. Then we do a little alpha wave surfing. You'll find out what that is when you listen. And so this is really like a live demonstration of what I do every morning or at least a part of my morning routine just to get myself into the proper vibe. So once I got everyone warmed up, I got down to the nitty gritty realness. This was a very vulnerable, you know, personal talk, really talking about my inner journey. And uh, it was just a fantastic experience to be able to share some of my truths with an audience, uh, many of whom were listeners of the Lifestylist podcast that I invited down to come hang out. So it was a super sweet morning for me. Um, it's kind of a fog now, so I had to go through and take some bullet points of what I actually talked talked about. So here's what you can expect to learn in this episode. How I turned my own suffering into a willingness to change and how I turned my rebellion into humility. Now that took me 20 years, unfortunately, but I tell you how I did that. And then how this podcast became my vehicle for sharing my experience, but most of all, my own personal growth and expansion. The difference between the higher self versus the ego self and how to determine who's controlling your life. The phantasmagoria of the mind and how most of what it tells you isn't even real. How to curb neurosis and knowing that you must understand how the mind works and learn to see through its fallacious beliefs. Again, questioning the mind has been my key to freedom. I don't believe the thoughts that come out of this goddamn bucket of bolts sitting on top of my body. 
how to unplug from the mind matrix, and how the key to freedom begins with awareness. The concept of thought fasting and other perspective-changing techniques to deflect negative thoughts, blame, and self-deception. How to build your own internal gym for mental fitness using mindfulness, meditation, and self-awareness. Why it's so important to feel our painful feelings and how to process them quickly and with intention. The fact that positive influence happens through attraction and not promotion. How it's pointless to try and control or influence others. Just work on yourself, y'all. That's the message here. And in closing, I'd just like to say that my intention for putting up this podcast and doing talks like this is really to help alleviate some of the mental and emotional suffering that we all experience from time to time. I've been working on myself and doing all of these spiritual practices for all of these years, and it brings me great joy to be able to share them with you regularly on this show. But it's even more fun for me to get a chance to sit in front of a studio audience with podcast listeners and friends and really just dive into the stuff that has really moved the needle for me. Also, at the end of this particular talk, I do a Q&A and give some insights into what it was like to actually start the podcast and some of the fears that I had to overcome and even the technicalities involved in booking guests and how I strategized and did that. And then I even named some of my dream guests that I'd like to have in the future. So you might be interested to see um, what I'm manifesting. And then later on, as you continue to listen to the show, you'll probably find that uh, some of those dream guests have in fact come true. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive into this bootleg broadcast of yours truly live on the Sunset Strip. Hi, my name's Luke, and uh, I'm here to talk about some fun, crazy stuff. Has anyone in the room ever listened to my podcast? It's called The Lifestylist. I know I met a bunch of you. Okay, cool. How many people like just came here with a friend or like you just go to stuff? You too. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Right on. So I have, you know, a PowerPoint, which I rarely follow. But for those of you that have never, those of you that listen to the podcast, you kind of know my deal. If you've heard a couple episodes, you kind of know what I'm into based on the stuff that I talk about in my guests. For those of you that are just like, cool, I just wanted to roll in and this might be interesting. I'm someone who's been into health, spirituality, personal development for... God, I always say like 20 years, but then a year goes by now, it's been like 21 years, you know? So there's a number of different things that I like to talk about that people seem to enjoy and derive benefit from. It's always difficult to determine what should be talked about, you know? And so I just generally use intuition and just kind of feel out because when I make these little presentations, it's like there's always way too much information to ever cover. In fact, the very first talk I did on these topics, uh, I think they gave me an hour and then it ended up going an hour over and they were like, no, keep going. It's cool. Everyone was digging it. It was for this group of um, like male entrepreneurs. And then at the end, everyone was like, it was such a cliffhanger. They had me come back and do the rest of it. And I still didn't even finish it. So I have a habit of trying to cram too much information. And so there's a number of different directions we could go with this. And they will take a little vote and, you know, have a group conscience to figure out what we want to cover. And then we'll do some questions and stuff, too. But what I'd like to start with is some vibes. So here's what we're going to do. i got to drop the mic for a second to demonstrate this. So there's this thing called breath of fire. Has anyone ever done kundalini yoga? A couple people? Yeah, wow, a lot of yogis in here. Nice. Okay, cool. And it's part of other traditions. It's, you know, just one of the various, what do they call that? Pra- praman, pranan, 
Third Street Promenade? <laughs> Pranayama, there we go, right? Uh, so, you know, a lot of different tr traditions have this. Something I've really been getting into, even though I've been doing yoga for, God, 20 years now, all sorts of different practices, I've really been getting into, for the past six years in Kundalini Yoga specifically, the breath work. You know, some people call it uh, shamanic breath work. There's the Wim Hof method. There's another name for it. Um, holotropic breathing, essentially just using breath to change the energy in your body. It's pretty basic stuff. The good starting point for me is called breath of fire, and there's a particular posture in kundalini yoga that they call the ego eradicator, which I always thought was a misnomer because you can't really eradicate your ego unless you die and leave your body. You know, if you have an animal body, you're going to have some degree of ego unless you're an enlightened master, and then I think you just leave based on the masters that I've studied. But I think it might be an ego modulator, you know, because it does tend to kind of balance you and give you a sense of equanimity. And so the way it goes is you take both your hands and you guys can do it sitting down. You might want to like kind of straighten your spine and sit up on the front of your chair a little bit. Get the old butt cheeks up on the front, just kind of like, you know, make your spine as erect as you can. And we'll just do it for a second. I just kind of want to get the energy right in the room and also give those of you that have never done something like this a little takeaway. It's pretty cool. I do this all the time, like I just went in the bathroom. Bathrooms are not the best place to do it, by the way, especially if someone's done a number two in there right before you. <laughs> so if that's the case, I'll like go somewhere, you know, near. It's just, you know, you want a little privacy. But I do this anytime, like I have to walk in a business meeting, a date, speaking, whatever. It's just like, it's a way to turn my brain on and kind of get down to reality, which is my ultimate goal, to be in reality as much as humanly possible. So erect spine, then your hands are going to go like this. You sort of like turn your um, four fingers into those little, uh, the base of your knuckles there, those little pads, right? And you kind of like pull those pretty tight and together. And then you stretch your thumbs out straight. And then you straighten your arms. So that's why it's easier if you're sitting kind of at the front of your chair, right? If you're slumped down, it's really difficult to get that, that uh, straightening of the arms. And then imagine there's like an arc between your two thumbs, which there actually is in um, one way of thinking. <clears throat> it's called your aura. And I don't know if aura pictures are real, but I definitely feel people's auras. It's like when you walk in a room full of negative people, you're feeling something. What is that? So we got this little arc, then the breathing goes through the nose and it's an equal exhale and inhale. Some of the yogic breathing will be like um, emphasis on the exhale, like it's not that, it's an even. I tend to go pretty fast with it, but you don't have to keep my speed. We're just gonna do it maybe for a minute or so. Usually you go like three minutes and sounds easy, but once you do it, especially with your arms up like this, you're like, shit, when is this gonna end? Okay, then at the end of it, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a huge inhale, we're gonna hold it, put our thumbs together and extend your fingers and you're just gonna hold that and kind of tense up your body for a few seconds, maybe like 15 seconds. All right, you guys got it? Okay. Big inhale. Thumbs together, fingers extended. Sounds like I'm holding in a bong hit. Dude.
I shouldn't make light of sacred practices, but I can't help it. And then an exhale. Next time I do that, I'm going to ask the crowd, check in with yourself, see how you feel right now. And then right after we do just that for a minute, see how you feel. Does anyone notice a slight difference in your energy, the way that you feel? It's trippy. It's trippy. So imagine doing that for 20 minutes. You really change the way you feel. There's all kinds of great breathwork stuff that I've been into. I did this morning, I did 20 minutes of, um, I guess you could call it um, shamanic breathing. It's similar. Has anyone heard of Wim Hof, the Iceman? He's like made this, you know, breathing really popular, but it's been around obviously before he was around, you know. Ever since humans arrived on the planet, however we got here, we've been figuring out that breath can change your consciousness, you know. Uh, But I did about 20 minutes of that in front of my, uh, I got this new thing called a juve, which is this crazy uh, red light panel. It's got red LED lights. It activates your mitochondria. It like increases your testosterone by 300% if you do that twice a day for 10 minutes a day. Shit is crazy. So I like to stack weird health practices like that. So why just sit in front of the light if I could be sitting in front of the light? Like sometimes I'll just do curls of like barbells or, you know, play around with the kettlebell. I'll do breathing. I'll do as many things at once as I can. So I did that this morning. Otherwise, I would literally stand up here and just be like, um, it's 10 o'clock. Like someone else talk. It really turns your brain on. So it's good stuff. There's a couple other things that I'll do sometimes that we're going to skip through. I'll do this one with you guys because this is pretty cool. And I call this alpha wave surfing. I just made that shit up when I did the PowerPoint. It's not a real thing. But alpha waves are real and they're the waves of the flow state. They're the waves that make you feel really good. They're, your brain basically radiates different um, frequencies, right? And so alpha is the one that generally we really like. Delta is pretty good. Delta is kind of like half asleep, half awake. Alpha is that feeling you get when you see a puppy or when you write a song and you do something creative, right? So there are certain behaviors and things that you can do that encourage the production of alpha waves. And one of them that I've found most useful, I learned this in a neurofeedback training that I did called 40 Years of Zen. And that is closing your eyes and just, what is the word evoking or invoking? Evoking, a loving feeling or memory. So here's what we're going to do. And then I swear I'll just talk and we'll stop doing crazy stuff. So I want you to put both your hands on your heart, right over your heart, left on the bottom, right on top, and then close your eyes and just think about someone that you love deeply or an experience in your life in which you just felt complete bliss, satisfaction, gratitude, joy, any of those really powerful positive emotions. So a moment or a person and just bring about that feeling in the center of your chest just for a moment. And just take a couple of nice mellow breaths. Okay, now we can talk about some stuff. (laughs) Mordecai's like, and your time's up. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I like to show people because these are the things that I use on a day-to-day basis that help keep me grounded, that keep me happy, that make me able to live in a world where there's floods and wars and crazy politics and everything that we have going on. It's like if I can just be in my own space and actually be, I don't like the word control because I try to avoid being a control freak, but if I can have some influence on my mental and emotional state 
and sort of tune my body and my mind and my energy so that I can stay in spiritual alignment. And by that, I don't mean it in a religious sense or a woo-woo sense, but truly being in tune with nature, being in rhythm with nature, whatever it is that, you know, makes a acorn become an oak tree. Like something's happening there, call it God, call it what you want. But there is definitely, to me, a creative, intelligent, loving, benign energy or force in the world, in the universe. And the closer I can stay to that, the better my life is. It's just simple math. I'm not an intellectual guy, especially when it comes to public speaking or just creating content, doing a podcast. I'm all about the heart. I'm all about the feeling because in my experience, that's what's been truly transformational is when I've been around people that are able to transmit ideas that they really believe in, that they're passionate about and that they have feeling about. So that's why I like to do that kind of stuff. So I'm going to whiz through a couple things here very quickly and uh, just to tell you guys that I've never heard my show or don't know who the hell I am, how I arrived here. I'm just a guy who, you know, I'm from Northern California. I uh, grew up in the 70s and there was a lot of drugs around. So my childhood was really fucked up. I was just around a lot of negativity and I grew up around like <laughs> bikers and what we used to call lowriders, which now are called cholos, you know. But I grew up like, you know, I want to say I had like the roughest childhood in the world, but I definitely like was poor and lived in crappy neighborhoods and was exposed to a lot of trauma and things like that. And so my survival mechanism before learning breathing exercises and kundalini yoga and all the things that I do now was taking copious amounts of drugs. And so I did that from a really, really early age. And I moved to Hollywood when I was 19, primarily just to be free of any restrictions so I could do more drugs and have more access to better and stronger drugs, which I immediately did. And uh, by the time I was 26, I had totally like destroyed what little life I had and really just it's a cliche but I watched all my dreams go up in smoke I was playing in bands and would get like this close to having success and then you know everyone was strung out and it was just it was just classic like kid moves to Hollywood to like make it big gets caught up in the drug scene and just ruins his life you know it's a very uh, typical kind of story but what happened for me that was really profound is when I finally kind of hit a bottom with that and I was just so emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally bankrupt. I mean, just at a place of complete and utter darkness and despair, which I'm sure many of you have experienced to one degree or another. I kind of surrendered to the idea that I couldn't fix myself and I sought help and got into recovery and stuff like that. And so began the journey that leads me here today, which is like, wow, I have to find solutions to what's wrong with me that don't have such negative side effects. You know, heroin has a lot of side effects. It works to kill pain. I mean, that's why when you go get surgery, they give you opiates. That shit is awesome if you're in a lot of pain, but it comes with a lot of side effects and a lot of negative consequences. So. I started this journey to go to India and study meditation and, and just try every kind of health fad and every sort of thing that they now call biohacking, if you're familiar with that term. Um, it used to not be a term, it was just like we call this health nuts, you know? So I became like this meditation obsessed, health obsessed guy, and I've just been working on that stuff forever to the point where I started actually being able to pass stuff on to a lot of other people and just started coaching people and mentoring people and then. Um, you know, now that's kind of like what I'm doing half the time. I still have a day job in the fashion industry at a place called School of Style where we teach people how to become a fashion stylist, which is what I did for 17 years. It's a whole other story. But uh, that's what kind of led me here today is just suffering 
equals willingness to change and open my mind. And, you know, there was a time in my life if you said, oh, hey, you know, you should try prayer. I'd be like, yeah, right. I mean, like, I was so defiant and rebellious and narrow-minded and um, it just, I was just really arrogant when I was a kid. I mean, like, I guess a lot of kids are, but me especially, I believed that I had all the answers and the answers that I had just ruined my life. So eventually I was sort of beaten into humility to go like, wow, maybe I better listen to someone else for a change because my way clearly doesn't work. And so after being into all this stuff for so long and just never really losing interest, my passion just keeps growing and growing for sharing this information. A year ago, I started this podcast and it was just like, I don't know, I love podcasts. I love audiobooks. I don't have the patience to read. Reading is so tedious, but I love information. I love learning. So I started listening to audiobooks and audio programs years ago. Uh, when they were like on cassette tapes, they came in these big like binders, you know, personal development stuff, Wayne Dyer, whatever. And uh, and then they were on CDs and then they're on MP3s and then you had these things called podcasts. And then eventually I was just like, fuck, I want to do one of these because I want to do it a little bit differently. I want to be, I want to convey a lot of this health science and a lot of this esoteric spiritual stuff to people, but do it in a way that's very relatable that's not too far out and new agey where like logical people are going to get turned off, but isn't so nerdy that spiritual people will be turned off because there's really no difference between science and spirituality on a certain level, you know? So that was my goal and it's been super fun. It's been a year and that's kind of what brings me here today is distilling down so much of what not only I've learned, but what I've learned from my guests in the past year and continue to learn. So there's a couple different ways we could go with this and so there's the podcast. That was that slide. There's a couple of different ways we could go with this. I have like three sort of main broad categories that we could riff on for a bit. One of them has to do with physical health. One of them has to do more with mentality, thinking, mindset. And then one of them is full on like heart-based God spiritual stuff. And there's definitely not enough time to cover any of those categories in a one hour talk, let alone a one day talk, which I'm starting to learn. But we could kind of go into one of those areas. So... Rather than me running the show, we, we don't have that much time here today, let's maybe take a vote. How do you guys feel about that? Okay, and I'm just going to like kind of, I won't count because we don't have time for that, but how many people wanted to stick to like the physical health stuff and like how to feel good in your body? <laughs> Mind, body, spirit. Okay. okay, first one, well, first one, body, because that's the first slide. So health practices, shit like that. Doesn't look like... Okay, yeah, you guys lose. You three, sorry, you're out. Okay, because it's funny, when I did the Malibu Soho House a couple weeks ago, a lot of people in the audience were already on board with all the health stuff. Like, someone's like, what do you think of bone broth? I was like, oh, it's great. I like this, this. And then afterward, they're like, yeah, I own a bone broth company. I was like, well, you know, shit, I could have talked about something that people were less familiar with. Okay, the next one is mindset. This has to do with your mentality, the way that you think, like the power of thought. Let me see how many for that. Ooh, that's pretty popular. Okay, and then how many for like full-on prayer, meditation, God, universe type stuff? Not that popular. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the mind then. Because the thing is, they're all related. You know, and what I found is that there's been times I was really focused on the body and stuck in the physical. I'm going to the gym, I'm eating right, I'm doing supplements and herbs and all that stuff. But then I'm still like hating my life and, and, and still have like unresolved shame and trauma from my childhood and all sorts of, you know, mental and emotional problems and spiritual misunderstandings and gaps. And so it's all about finding balance. Because if, if you're eating, you know, 
Costco, GMO, groceries, and junk food, and you're trying to meditate, it doesn't work so well. Like, you've got to feel good physically to feel good emotionally. So they're all interrelated, uh, which is why it's tough for me to ever pick, because one's not more important than the other. I mean, you can get so spiritual that you float off in the fucking clouds, and, like, you forget to eat at all. You know what I mean? Which has happened to me a few times. It's like, oh, I haven't eaten in three days. Like, wow, this is interesting. I'm too busy meditating. Okay, let's come back to Earth. And like get a grip. Luke, you have a job, you have rent, like you you don't like live in Sedona, you're in LA. You know, get it together. So since the mind won, we'll go into that. So essentially the way I look at this is there's two main parts to me. And this might be true of you if you're a human. There's the higher self that is in touch with love and compassion and a community and has an, an innate feeling that there's something more going on than just what's on the physical plane, right? And then there's the ego part, which to me is the part that's run by instincts. It's the animal part. It's like the body, the meat suit, right? The meat suit has to go out and get stuff. And so what happens is you're born, immediately you realize, I need titties, I need milk. <laughs> um, my spiritual talks aren't that spiritual. Um, <laughs> I need water, I need safety, I need security. It's like every animal is born, comes out of an egg, comes out of a womb, and it just is in survival mode. And if we've been cared for properly, then we learn to adapt and maybe get more in touch with that natural higher self, that spiritual self. But if you had a life like me, it's pretty much fight or flight out of the gate because there was no safety to be had, right? So... I developed this way of thinking over the course of my, you know, whole adolescence, childhood, all of that, that was all about fulfilling my instincts. So everywhere I would go, it was either how to avoid something that was threatening or how to get something that I desired deeply. You know, so I was always living in attraction and aversion, always fluctuating between those two. And between those two, there's no peace, there's no happiness. Because i got a mind that's constantly wanting to get something or wanting to get rid of something, right? And so the mind sort of recognizes that the body needs energy in order to sustain itself. And it starts going into fucking overdrive, figuring out all the ways in which it's going to go out into the world and get it. Which can happen in a number of different ways. It can manifest in uh, more of like a people-pleasing, needy type energy. Someone who like really relies on other people and allows themselves to be abused and dominated. Or it can take the opposite tack where it goes out to control and dominate others to get what it needs. But it's a mind that never stops racing, you know. And that mind that never stops racing is the mind that I had to pour a lot of drugs and alcohol on to make it stop. And now there's things that I do that aren't necessarily positive to do that too, like refreshing Instagram every two minutes. Like, you know, <laughs> there's a million ways that one can distract themselves from that incessant racing of the mind. But to me, the first key to freedom is the awareness, is that recognizing that there's a difference between who I really am as a spirit and as a soul and the things that go on up in my mind. And when I first started to get an awareness of this, it was like, being unplugged from the matrix you guys remember the, the movie the matrix you know he homeboy makes the decision to get unplugged and he's like whoa none of this shit was real he sees his whole life and his work and where he lives and the whole city and all that's just like 
It's all a facsimile. And that's what happened to me when I started to unplug from my mind and realize, wow, none of the thoughts that this brain produces are real. They're all based in survival. Like my brain is literally a slave to the body. It's a slave to the ego. And its whole modus operandi is to take by any means necessary. And in so doing, creates this really self-obsessed, self-centered, unhappy person. And so when I started to really dive into meditation, I started to see, wow, I'm sitting here meditating and I'm watching my thoughts go by. The type of meditation I do now is called Vedic meditation. It's mantra based. So you repeat, it's kind of like TM. So you repeat this silent mantra in your head. And then your mind will go, oh, we need to think about the talk you're doing at Soho House. Like, what if you sound stupid? And everyone hates you and walks out and ostracizes you and you have to go off in the desert and die because that's what your instincts tell you when people don't like you. And I see those thoughts. Well, in that moment is the freedom because there's a me and then there's the thoughts. In other words, like, who's the one that's aware of what those thoughts are doing? Who's the one watching this whole freak show? This phantasmagoria called the mind. There's someone watching that and that someone is actually who I really am. And that is so powerful, man. Because what happens is I start to make peace with my mind. And here's the thing I'm going to tell you. And those of you that have meditated for a long time, <laughs> I mean, if you disagree, please talk to me afterward. I want to know how you did it. You're not going to stop your mind. That's like trying to stop the heart from beating. The human body is gifted with the brain for a reason. Its job is to think. I've, I had a dog once with a girlfriend, and I don't like dog barking, you know, really irritates the shit out of me. And I tried for about four years or something to get that dog to stop barking. It never worked. And we got, took him to trainers, this and that. You know why? Because fucking dogs bark. <laughs> so I'm not going to get my mind to stop thinking. And, and also to stop thinking thoughts of worry, of anxiety, of self-hatred, of other hatred, of separation, of fear, of like all the negativity. It's probably always going to have the capacity to do that because that's just its job. And especially because of what I put it through and my environment put it through coming up. I mean, there's a certain tweak there. Maybe some people have it to a greater or lesser degree. But if I just stop doing anything spiritual or any of the stuff that's in these slides, my mind just goes back to the world is not safe. I fucking hate it here. What am I doing here on this planet? I want out. I want to leave. And there's two ways you can leave. You can leave by distracting yourself with social media, cigarettes, ice cream, drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, whatever. Like, you know, you can like do shit that gives you dopamine, gives you a little release, or you can off yourself. Those are kind of the choices that I've discovered. Offing yourself seems pretty damn selfish. So the other option is like, wow, maybe I can actually make friends with the mind by identifying that it's not real. You know, it's like how many times in your life, for example, have you had a thought about someone else and something they said? And you're like, that motherfucker, I can't believe they said that to me. How dare them? And then a couple of days later, it's revealed that they didn't say that or they didn't mean that and it was just totally made up. Does anyone have that experience? Where your mind actually lied? Only two people? You guys are liars. <laughs> the mind makes stuff up. And if I don't have the awareness and the understanding that this thing is not trustworthy with certain types of information, then I'm going to be um, controlled by it. 
I'm going to be controlled by my mind and my mind's going to have an idea. You know what? You should send that email and let them know just what you think about them, Luke. And I go, you know what? Thank you, mind. That's a great idea. And then I ferociously type this devastating email, click send. And the moment after I click send, I go, oh my God, why did I do that? My higher self goes, dumbass. Why didn't you listen to me? Why did you listen to your mind? It's an illusion. That's not to say that I can't use my mind to do my bills and, you know, solve a problem or be creative. I mean, the mind has a place, but am I using the mind or is the mind using me? That's the question. You know, can I walk in here this morning and not know what's going to happen or who's going to be here or how any of this is going to be received and stay within my center and not be derailed by whatever information my mind gives me? Because my mind is a nightmare. It, it gives me the worst case scenarios all the time. I don't have the type of imagination that on default just imagines the best possible outcome. Oh man, my, I, on the way here, my mind's not like, oh man, this is so awesome. I'm going to go in this room, talk to these people, meet a bunch of listeners to the show. Everyone's going to love it. I'm going to know exactly what to say. It's really going to land with people. I'm going to have a positive impact. The room's going to be wonderful. I'm going to be on time. Everything's going to be great. My mind just automatically thinks of the negative outcomes and has a, a real propensity to go into the state of worry. But the good news is, because I'm aware that what my mind produces most of the time is not based in reality, there's a me watching it, like on a screen, like literally like watching that, like, huh, that's funny. There goes the mind doing its thing. And I just sort of like pat it, like that dog that's barking. Okay, it's okay. You, you can worry. It's all right. Everyone's going to hate you. It's going to suck. You're going to have the worst day ever. I know. It's okay. It's okay. The ego's doing its job. You know, just like when someone cuts me off in traffic and it's like, I don't know about, I mean, this doesn't happen to me so much anymore, but it used to be really bad. Like someone would do something I don't like, you know, because I'm a professional stunt driver and I'm the only one in Los Angeles that knows how to drive right. Everyone else are fucking idiots. <laughs> and when one of those idiots would do something wrong, I literally would want to kill them. Like I would start thinking about well, I could get their license plate, go online, Google it, find out where they live, go to their house with a weapon, end their life, because they weren't paying attention like I think they should. You know, it's like, what kind of mind is that? What kind of life is that to live? And it sounds funny, but, you know, there were years that went by where I lived like that and had no idea that I was even doing that. It was just like, yeah, that's how it is. Traffic sucks. People suck. People are dicks. Like, of course I'm mad. What a way to live, man. Take me today doing all the stuff that I do that I'm talking about and go out there. People can cut me off most of the time all day long. And it's just like, okay, they must be in a hurry. Maybe that person that just cut me off just found out their dad had a heart attack and they're racing over to the house to meet the ambulance. You know, maybe their kid is sick and the school just called. I don't know. My mind will tell me they're doing it to me because they have a nicer car than me. Well, I have a pretty nice car now, but I used to have a hoopty. And if like a Mercedes cut me off, I'd be like, oh, they think they're better than me. Yeah, I'm a loser. I'll show you, loser. You know, like in a, like a road rage war. I mean, this is going back some years, but it's just to demonstrate the neurosis that's possible when someone like me doesn't have the understanding of how my thinking works. And so based on that framework, I do something that I, again, just a name that I made up, which is called thought fasting. I've done a lot of physical fasting too, which has its time and place. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I normally don't eat breakfast until like 2 or 3 p.m., you know, so I do intermittent fasting pretty much every day. Like today I had a, I poured a green juice and I didn't realize it had a bunch of sugar in it, but I don't like green juice with sugar. By the way, you might as well just drink a Coca-Cola if you're going to have 24 grams of sugar, but that's more on the health topic. <laughs> 
And I took a sip and I was like, uh, this has apple in it. I'm not going to drink that shit. I don't want to break my fast. I want to stay in ketosis, which is just a good, stable energy for me. But thought fasting is profoundly powerful. And what this looks like is through meditation, through mindfulness, through self-awareness, I build over time repeating this practice, like building a muscle, like going to the gym for my consciousness, build the capacity to be aware of when my mind produces a thought that has negative energy behind it. So that would be any form of a worrying thought, an anxious thought, a fearful thought, a mean thought, a hostile thought, a critical thought, a judgmental thought, anything that has that feeling in it that sort of hurts your heart a little bit. You know, when you think about someone that like has wronged you, that feeling you get like, ah, and then there's that angry feeling and you start talking to yourself about them. All right, I'm going to call them and I'm going to say this, 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 like building a case against someone. I mean, that feels so bad inside. And that's not to say that wrongs are not committed. You know, people do hurt us. I've been hurt by people. But nothing hurts worse than not being able to have the capacity to forgive them, right? And to take responsibility myself for having gotten involved in that situation with someone who uh, was liable to do something like that, right? So it's not about being hypervigilant and paranoid. It's just about noticing my thoughts and deflecting thoughts that are negative before they have a chance to dig themselves in. And this is the key to the whole thing. It's like the awareness is first. And then when you see the awareness, when the thought comes, like, oh, my God, the check's not going to come. I'm going to get evicted. You know, each negative thought you'll notice is, well, negative thoughts uh, uh, that are imbued with anger or fearful thoughts. If you notice them, if you kind of trace them, they start to build. Like, you'll have one, and if it goes unchecked and you let that shit slide, it starts kind of magnetizing other thoughts like that. Has anyone ever had that experience? You know, your mind just, like, goes down a negative rabbit hole. Whether that's expressed outwardly toward others or inwardly. Like for me, I'm a pretty loving guy. I mean, I used to be very angry and run people off the road and all that. But inherently, like I, I like most people and I, I have loving feelings toward people. The negative thoughts for me are more toward myself. Very, very difficult habit to break. You know, like I, I'll know it's much easier for me to like, if I'm judging someone, i be like, what a dick, look what they're wearing, or look how they did this or that, and I'll go, oh my God, that's uncool, like, don't do that. But I'll do that about myself all day long without realizing it. So that's what I'm personally working on right now, is like having a little more self-respect, self-love, you know? But it all comes from the thoughts, because what happens is, I have a thought, then I start speaking that thought out to someone, giving it more energy, then I think about it more, then my behavior sort of follows, then the outcome of that behavior starts to create my life and my character. I actually become the person who thinks like that, speaks like that, acts like that, lives like that. Now I have a life of negative consequences, self-perpetuating negative consequences. And it's just a play, thank you. It's just a play that keeps acting itself out. And to the unobserved mind, it seems like, oh, it's the, it's the president, <laughs> it's the weather. It's the divorce, it's the parents, it's my childhood, it's them. If they would just stop fucking with me, I would be happy. No, I'm actually doing it to myself. It's the mind, the mind is the whole problem. That's where it all starts. That's the seed of everything. The seed of everything in my life that's ever really hurt me is my opinion about the reality that I'm experiencing. 
It's my perception about the reality that I'm experiencing. The example I like to always give, because it's just one we can probably all relate to, is you park at a meter, or even in this neighborhood, you don't even need a meter, you know, permitted parking. You park your car somewhere, you go in some place, have a great time, it's all good, you come out, and there's a little white envelope with a red stripe on it on your windshield. You guys ever seen that? And it's addressed to the city of L.A. And inside of it, there's a little printout with a bunch of numbers and weird stuff on it. And then there's this one number that has a dollar sign next to it. And that dollar sign to us has a certain meaning. And so I open up that thing. I read it, and it says $68. You fucked up, Luke. A couple different things could happen based on my thinking and my perception of reality. One is... My initial reaction usually is, I want to go blow up a, go a government building. Like, I need to do some Oklahoma shit right now. Or, oh, God, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did this again. And I'm literally taking a bat and hitting myself in the proverbial brain with it, you know? Take that same situation with a different perception. I walk out to my car, and it's like, I walk into my car and go, man, this is awesome. I have a car. Like, I was born incarnated at a time when mankind figured out how to put a bunch of metal shit together and get me from one place to another at 100 miles an hour. And I actually have one. That's cool. I've been blessed. A lot of people don't even have water. And I'm like, oh, my BMW's a 2016. I need the new one. No. Perception. So I, you know, grateful for the car, but then I get the ticket. Well, how are you going to get over that? The reality is I have to pay the $68. <laughs> In actual reality, all that happened is some dude came along and put a piece of paper on my windshield. It absolutely has no meaning. It's a piece of paper. The $68 that I'm going to have to go online and pay that is these digital uh, ghosts that come out of this thing called Chase website and go to the LA City website, that's not even real either. And if you're someone that, you know, doesn't have $68 to buy some cereal or some shit, you're like, yeah, it's real. Yeah, but it's really not. You know, what I'm really afraid of and why that bothers me, if I trace it down, is if I lose that $68, then I'm not going to have money to buy food, then I'm going to starve, and then I'm going to die. Back to the instincts, our last slide, right? I'm going to get evicted from my apartment because I won't have rent. If I get evicted from my apartment, I'm going to have to go live under the freeway. And if I live under the freeway, I'm going to be prey to vagrants and weather and... Um, you know, what do they call them? Predation of whatever type, right? So all of those fears eventually trace back to a fear of death. But before that, it's just seeing my mind go, this sucks, this is wrong, and resisting that thought and just going, no, actually, it's fine. It's like, whatever, pay the $68 and go, this is awesome. Now I've got a great lesson. It only cost me $68 to learn to be present when I park my car. When I park my car, I really need to get out and go, okay, let me just take a breath. Read those five signs on the poll that all say something different. <laughs> and then my mind's going to go, fucking city. They try to confuse you just to make money. See that thought. See the next thought. See the next thought. I've got to watch my mind. It's Jedi shit. That's the key to life, you know, is watching my mind. Because, and I saw the two minutes. I'm probably five minutes. And I'll, and I'll wrap up on this. Uh, and then we'll take a couple questions. That if the mind produces a thought that's disturbing to me, and I don't catch it in time, and I start to add energy to it by, again, talking about it, acting it out, complaining to other people, whatever energy I give, just thinking about it more, then what happens is it starts to activate emotions. Then I start to feel fear. Then I start to feel sadness. Then I start to feel hopelessness, despair. 
I start to feel anger. And then I start to think more about what caused that feeling. And then that feeling causes more thoughts. And then I'm stuck in something called rumination or hell on earth, as I like to think of it, you know? So to me, it's about allowing uncomfortable feelings to manifest and just play themselves out. You know, if you're sad, cry. If you get a little mad, get a little more mad. Get that shit out. Go pound a pillow. Do whatever you got to do. This is not about avoiding feeling, which is what I did my whole life. Now I get a feeling, I'm like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. But through the Kundalini Yoga, through the breathing that we did, through all these different practices, I literally just sit there and go, okay, wow. I guess just uh, yesterday, I just sat there and I was very sad about a loss of an attachment, of a relationship. And I sat there and I just bawled for about two minutes. And I just watched that emotion. And I was like, oh, I'm going to die. I have a feeling. It's like, oh, my chest kind of heaved. Some tears came out. I had a feeling. And I just went, hmm, okay. <laughs> That's what I've been scared of my whole life? Is this a goddamn feeling? So being aware of the thoughts and feelings, allowing the feelings to be there, to be expressed in a healthy way, and thought fasting and keeping my mind off the negativity. That's a little sliver of the mental part. So on that note, does anyone have any questions about any of this stuff or comments or your own experience that you'd like to share based on that or even the things that I didn't cover? Sometimes people are like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. What kind of sauna do you have? <laughs> we can talk about that too, you know. What's the best Rishi mushroom brand? Okay, I probably got that covered. Anyone have anything? Is that, oh, she's itching. Psych now. She's like, psych. Yes, right here. So for the microphone purposes, because I'm recording this, hopefully, and it will become a podcast soon, or at least parts of it. I don't know. I always say really personal things when I talk, and I'm like, do I really want to put that on the internet? I don't know. Uh, especially as you get more listeners, you know, like, shit, 80,000 people are going to hear my mommy issues or whatever, you know. Um, what I found is when I started going down this path of, let's just say, spiritual interest at first and spiritual growth, evolution, personal development, recovery from addictions, all that kind of stuff, uh, people had one of two reactions. People were inspired and they were drawn to me and they want in. Dude, what are you doing? You're happy. You lost weight. Your skin's not yellow anymore. Like, you seem calm. I feel really good when I'm around you. What's the deal? Other people were like, oh, you think you're better than us now. Yeah. You know, jealous because they can't get out of where I used to be, you know. And I've, of course, gone through all the stages of relationships where I do think I'm better than them. I get the because what happens is when you start to get some spiritual understanding, the ego is like, cool, I got that. And then you build a spiritual ego. And the ego is like, I'm spiritual now, and you're not. You know, the ego will co opt anything. It's crazy. It's so cunning. So, gone through the superiority thing, again, having to have some self awareness around that. And then when I sort of have been able to access a little a modicum of humility, some of those people that were turned off are like kind of welcomed in, you know? So there's a principle in recovery circles called attraction, not promotion. So what I do with my interpersonal relationships is I just kind of do my thing and live my life. And I really let people do their thing, you know, which is, you know, it's easier said than done. Right. I mean, I've dated people that like don't eat like I eat and they do crazy shit. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm going crazy, not saying something. Why are you eating gluten? Ah, you know? Or what it gets much worse than that, smoking or whatever. I'm like, you still smoke? What? You know? 
So it's about not controlling other people and also just learning how to not be controlling of myself too, because in all of these practices, especially the physical health stuff, it's really easy to get crazy and neurotic about controlling everything that you do and eat. So live and let live, let other people do their thing, do my thing, and hopefully the people around me will sort of feel the reverberation of that positive energy and be attracted to it. However, there's been a lot of relationships in my life, friends, family, uh, romantic interests, whatever, that I've had to step away from because they're actually deleterious to my own mental or emotional or physical health. You know, there's just toxic relationships, toxic family members that really want to hurt you. They're jealous. They're still in ego and they don't know it and they don't want to get out and they can't get out. So there have been situations in which I've had to end relationships. And it's been a, a great lesson for me because I've learned how to not be a people pleaser. And, you know, maybe someone in my family hates me for a while. Okay. That's a small price to pay to be able to evolve myself. You know, so if someone's on board, cool. But only if they ask. Like, I really make a habit not to go around and be, hey, you should do this, you should do that. No, 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 no. Because trust me, around me and my friends and family, I mean, I just constantly see everything they're doing wrong. Because I know a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm interviewing the biggest experts in the world every week that tell me everything about the lighting in your home, the food you should eat, the water you drink, the type of meditation you should do. I mean, I'm talking to brilliant, brilliant people all the time, and I'm applying everything they teach me. So I see my friends, and I'm just like, oh, God. I was at dinner with a friend last night, and he's like, um, what was he saying? He's like, oh, he's like, well, bro, you got to do carb loading if you want to get big. And I was like, oh, my God, like, dude. He's <laughs> like, you're living in the 80s. And I'm just like, cool, right on, bro. I'm, that's awesome. You know, and inside I'm like, oh, God, he's so wrong. I want to tell him he's wrong so bad. So live and let live, attraction rather than promotion, you know. Be the change you want to see in the world, you know, the Gandhi thing. doesn't mean you don't change shit and be proactive, but it's letting go of the control element, I think, is the key, because it just feels better. Cool, man. You want to, like, eat GMOs all day and whatever? Have fun. It's all you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Podcast question. Cool. My favorite topic. That's, those are two really great questions. So question being, uh, what are some dream podcast guests that I want to get that I haven't gotten, even though I've had some great people? And then what was the second half? Oh, yeah. How do I reach out to people that are like outside of my sphere of influence? Right, right. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. I just want to repeat them for the, uh, the recording. Okay. When I started the podcast, I had so much self-doubt. Like I felt like such a loser. Honestly, it was so scary for me to reach out to people because I had no credibility in the health and wellness scene. Like I can call up most celebrity style. I mean, I don't know Rachel Zoe personally, but I've met her. She might be one of the only ones I don't know. You know what I mean? In terms of like the fashion industry. So I have no problem reaching out to anyone in that industry or designers or people in PR or whatever, because I had 17 years of credibility and I started this fashion school. So that's like easy. I mean, I wasn't the biggest stylist in the world, but I, you know, I was successful. I did okay. But when I started doing the podcast, I was like, oh my God, these people are going to all reject me. I mean, it was like so scary to reach out to people. And essentially what I did is because I had no credibility on paper in this industry, the stuff I'm talking about. I mean, today, for all intents and purposes, you could say this talk was like a spiritual lecture, right? I'm like, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm just some dude. So if I'm reaching out to people on a podcast, how, how am I going to position myself? So what I did is I sort of used 
my background in the fashion industry and having styled a bunch of celebrities and kind of have a different angle than a lot of people in health and wellness. You know, my site doesn't look like new agey and like, like weird crystals. You know what I'm saying? It's like kind of fashiony looking and cool and modern. And um, I, I made sure that my branding was sort of in alignment with my background in fashion, but that's what I used. And I didn't think it would work, but a lot of people in fashion are like, whoa, cool, you live in Hollywood? And that's some PhD doctor that's 70 years old that is like my hero. Like I look up to him more than I do, you know, Brad Pitt or some shit. You know what I mean? You know what's crazy is, and this is the, this is the big scam, and you know, I'll be putting this out as a podcast. Dude, if you have a platform, people are willing to talk to you that would never talk to you otherwise. I started hitting people up to be on my show and they said yes. I was like, um, did you even Google me? Like, I can't believe you said yes. And not like they're, you know, world famous people, but within this industry, they're famous. You know what I mean? And they're some of the biggest people like David Wolf and Dave Asprey and um, John Gray and Jack Cruz. So many like the big luminaries that I've had as guests. They're just like, yeah, I'd love to, man. I was like, uh, okay. What I did, here's the funny part. <laughs> well, now I guess I already did it so I can say it is that. I recorded 15 episodes before I ever put the show out. So I just emailed people acting like I had a podcast already, kind of. I mean, I didn't lie, but I was like, yeah, I'm Luke. I'm a podcaster, and this is what my show is about. And will you come on it? And then once I had 15 recorded, then the hardest part for me was recording the solo episode, which is episode one where you tell your story, because it was terrifying. And I didn't know how personal I wanted to be about it my past and stuff. But once I had that first one, then I released 10 in a row. And then once you have a bunch of big names already in the can, then it's a lot easier to sort of use them as anchors. When you start reaching out to other people, you're like, well, I got so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so to do it. And then someone's like, okay, I never heard of this guy, but I've heard of his guest. So that's what I keep doing. And that's how I reach out to people. In, the, in, for, in terms of uh, what the email says, I'll make sure that I really know their work. So I'll read their book. I'll listen to them on other podcasts. I'll be very specific about what I want to interview them about. I'm not just like, hey, you're famous. Be on my show so I get famous. I'm like, I really like when you talk about X, Y, and Z. I'm a huge fan of your work. I'd love to have you on and talk about those things. And then I give them some stats. You know, I have this many downloads. And here's the other guests that have been on. And, you know, something like that. I have a little deck that I send them, of, you know, a PDF and stuff like that. But it's surprisingly easy to get people on your podcast because they want to promote themselves and share their stuff. In terms of dream guests, I realized at a certain point I sort of hit the top of the food chain in the health and wellness space. And there's a lot of other people I haven't interviewed, but based on the people I've been able to get, I think I could probably get the other big people in health. Only, only a couple people have said no in that world so far, just because I probably wasn't big enough, you know. But then I'm like, I really want to interview more spiritual teachers. And so I'm working on that more now because the audience seems to really resonate with all the health and biohacking stuff. But they also really love the ones that are about relationships and consciousness and personal development and all of that stuff. And frankly, like I want to talk about that more than a lot of the health stuff these days myself. So some of my dream guests would be um, uh, Eckhart Tolle, Sharon Salzberg, uh, uh, Tara Brock, uh, Marianne Williamson. Um, it's good that you asked. I'm putting out there. I have these all written down. I put them on my wall. I look at them every day and, and they'll be on some of them. Uh, um, Byron Katie, another one of my favorite spiritual teachers, um, Neil Donald Walsh wrote a book called Conversations with God. So those are some of the ones in the spiritual tip. 
But then I realized, having come out of the fashion and entertainment industry and working in Hollywood for all those years, that the people that really have influence are celebrities. And I thought, well, I'm not really... I got out of fashion because it's annoying to be around celebrities and their publicists and stuff. It's such a weird scene. It's just not... I'm just not into it. But there are certain people that are into this stuff that aren't public about it because no one's interested in hearing about it. They want to know about their new movie or their new album. But there are a number of people that are like on my, you know, my big list that's like, oh, God, how am I going to ever get to them? Uh, a couple of them would be uh, Steven Tyler. He's like, he goes to Erwan. Dude's into all this stuff. And I used to work for him when I was first uh, sober. My first styling job was an assistant for Aerosmith. But I don't, you know, it's not like we're texting. So Steven Tyler, uh, Jared Leto is another guy. He's into all this stuff. Um, James Franco, Ozzy Osbourne. I think he's sober. And I'd like to talk to him about that and his spirituality. I worked with him once too. But again, you know, you work with people and then you lose touch. You know, it's not like you're buddies with them. You go do a fitting, you do a shoot, and it's like, bye. And you're just another stylist. So I'm like, ah, if I would have known, I was going to have a podcast someday, you know. Uh, that's another one. Who else? Uh, Alanis Morissette. She had a podcast for a while. I was never really in, into her music per se, but she had a podcast for a while that was incredible. Like she could be a freaking PhD psychologist. Like she's really into the world of therapy and personal development and stuff. She's just brilliant. Her show is fantastic. So she's another one too. And um, I'm sure there's a few more in that space. But the idea with that is I just love musicians and there are certain actors that I love, but it's more about the influence they have. And I don't care about their movie or their new album. Like I would never talk about that. I'd be like, so are you into like green juice and yoga? What type of meditation do you do? Like, um, do you pray? Do you believe in God? Like what's your spiritual life like? How do you deal with stage fright? How do you get over writer's block and uh, creative self-doubt and i'd want to go more psychological and spiritual with those celebrities and then share with the world from someone who's super influential those types of things because those people have real influence you know so you get someone to like scroll through podcasts and they're like oh sick an interview with ozzy osbourne about meditation shit i'll listen to that i mean how many people would start meditating because someone's super cool or gwyneth paltrow would be a great example someone into health and wellness like she has all kinds of minions around the world doing what she does because of her acting career you know so i'd like to parlay the influence of those people into helping more people and having the biggest show ever okay so i'm out of time you guys are so awesome i want to thank you so much for coming down and uh you know not knowing what to expect and hanging in and listening this has been like so fun for me i love doing this stuff it's kind of nerve-wracking because i'm non-linear and don't really have a plan but I'm glad that we picked, you know, the, the thought fasting and the mind and emotion stuff because that's kind of the, the seed of the whole thing. I think after that even comes more of the deeper spiritual stuff and different types of prayer and, and all of that. But like if the mind's not sort of like straightened out, then that stuff is difficult to access because it requires a certain mental state to even go there and a certain degree of open-mindedness and flexibility um, and curiosity in that realm. So cool. Thank you guys so much. Yo, 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 yo. Don't forget to join me at Mercado Sagrado in Malibu Canyon this weekend, November 4th and 5th. That's tomorrow and Sunday, y'all, where I'll be presenting 
Elemental Alchemy, Biohacking Your Water, Air, Earth, and Light. You can get your tickets at mercado-sagrado.com or just go to lukestory.com forward slash events and you can find everything I'm up to. I'll see you there. That brings us to the end of this very special episode number 100 of the Lifestylist podcast. I want to sincerely thank you for joining me along the journey. As you could see from that talk, this show has really been a vehicle for change and evolution for me. I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much from all of my guests and even my listeners. I'm getting emails all the time from people saying, hey, check this out, check that out. So this is just you know a real celebration for me to be able to make it through episode 100 and to bring you right along with me riding shotgun. Don't forget to tune in next Tuesday as I get back to my regular program with episode number 101 featuring yoga legend Elena Brower recorded in New York City. That is not an episode you want to miss. And in fact, to ensure that you don't miss the episode with Elena or anyone else to follow, because I got some other good ones coming up, why don't you just subscribe to this podcast now and you can get 101, 102, 103 and all the craziness that's coming at you real soon, okay? So subscribe to this show, and please, by all means, I'm gonna ask you for a big favor here as I've as I presented episode number 100 to you. If you wanna support the show, there's two very meaningful ways you can do that. You can help me maybe get up to episode 200 this year, right? Two things you can do. One is go into iTunes and leave a rating and a review. If you don't know how to do that, I've made it very simple for you. You can go to this URL. Ready? Go to lukestory.com forward slash how to iTunes review. I've made it like super dummy easy for you. Okay. I created a landing page with explicit directions on how to leave a review. And just for a little background there, if you're not a podcaster, you probably wonder like, why do us podcast hosts always ask people to leave reviews? Because this is really the most powerful way that you can grow a show in order to get more guests and to get advertisers and things like that. You have to rate high in iTunes. So I tend to fluctuate around between number 84 on iTunes and around 125. So I'm getting there. You know, I'm up to almost a million episodes at this point. So doing great, but you could help me do better by leaving an iTunes review. Think of it as a gift to celebrate number 100 with me. Now, if you want to take it to the next level and a review is like, nah, nothing to you or you've already done one, if you're able to offer a small pledge or contribution through my website, I'd be most appreciative. It's quite expensive to have this show edited, to produce my YouTube videos that I do in conjunction with the show, to run the website, to run the whole brand over here at LukeStory.com is uh, quite an undertaking. And <laughs> as the quality of the show and the quality of the guest increases all the time, because that's my goal, so do the expenses. So if you feel like it, if you're so inclined, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash support, where you can offer a one-time or even a small reoccurring contribution to help support this podcast. Another way you can support the show, I might as well make it a trifecta, is you can just shop at the lukestory.com store. Go to lukestory.com forward slash store where I've very carefully and thoughtfully curated all of my favorite stuff. 
Now, I don't personally sell anything, but if you make a purchase through lukestory.com forward slash store, on most of the items in the store, I get a small commission for each sale. So if you're going to go out and buy this stuff anyway, you might as well get it through my site, help me pay for the damn editing on this podcast, etc. graphic design, all that. I keep thinking of more expenses. And then uh, you get to save time and not have to go find all this crap yourself because I've done the work for you. I'm obsessive about finding the best supplements, biohacking tools, and the like. So go to lukestory.com forward slash store if you feel like doing some shopping. Okay, that's it for the plugs. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you benefited. I look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future of the Lifestylist Podcast. Until then, be well. Be well.